Good morning. This is Michael Weaver from Indianapolis and Jonathan Washburn again from Cleveland, Ohio. How are you today, John? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me again. Oh, John, it's a pleasure. Really, uh, really enjoy what you bring to the show and uh, all your experience. Hey, last time we talked, um, we talked about uh, how COVID has changed our industry a little bit. And uh, specifically, um, one of the things that I was uh, curious about is, is there any fine print that has been added to the mortgage package where um, the, the borrower, who typically does not read through everything, is going to be surprised if they took the time to read through that fine print? Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. So about three months ago, um, we had what's called a new 1003 was released. A new Uniform Residential Loan application was released. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the lending side, this was kind of a big deal because... Um, you know, just to, kind, of, kind of we because we are habitual creatures, and um, you know we had had the same 1003 for more than a decade, I think, and they decided to go and change it. It wasn't specific enough. It wasn't thorough enough. There were things that they felt like needed to be included. So um, this new 1003 came out, and lenders all over had to kind of relearn um, how to take an application. There are just a lot more questions than there used to be. Um, in general, it's 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 not a whole lot of like new information or information that would you know cause somebody to not be able to be approved this year when they could have been approved last year. It's just uh, we got a whole lot more specific. So if in the past we asked for your date of birth and social, now we're asking for your date of birth, your social, your child's middle name, your your, your blood type. Um, you know, we're, we're just kind of getting <laughs> deep into the weeds and we're not actually asking those questions, but those, those are the types of things that have been changed. So for instance, there used to be, um, like a like a, a list of, I think like 10 yes or no questions that you had to answer at the end of the loan application. You know, are you going to live in this country, your primary residence? Are you going to, you know, have you ever, um, had a property foreclosed on short sale, bankruptcy, things like that. Now there's like 15 or 16 of those questions, and you know some of the some of the uh, the, the the data uh, that we use to ensure that no one is being discriminated against. Uh, we now have more questions in that little list of, of things. We call that the the HMDA HMDA um, the HMDA section of the the 1003. You know, so there's there's mm-hmm. more options for your race and ethnicity and gender and, and things of that nature. Um, so, so, and, and, so real quick, and then a lot of the things, yeah, go ahead. Uh, real quick on that. So you, you said there's more information uh, on there. So um, if I'm understanding right, whereas before it might've just been a name and your, uh, your data, it, now it's, it's your name and your ethnicity. And this is to help prevent discrimination. Yet you're, putting what race you are, uh, you know, in black and white. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, no, it's, it's correct. So every single person that, um, that I talk to, um, that I, that I, that I help try to purchase a home or refinance. Um, if, if I am, if I'm sitting 
across the table from them, right? If I see mm-hmm. them face to face, I am supposed to um, visually assess the <laughs> what I think their race and ethnicity is and gender, and write that down. And this is this is so that you know um, on on the back end when when they're going through you know when they're when they're going through all of our loan applications that we've taken. You know, if, if they see that we have turned down a higher number of one ethnic group than another, then, you know, questions are going to be asked. Well, why, why, were that, why was that group turned down at a higher rate? So it's, it's something that um, I, I think the intentions are very good. And as you know, there is a history of discrimination in housing in this country that goes back pretty far. And so th- these are the types of things that they are doing in order to try to um, prevent that. I will say it is awkward sometimes when I'm when I'm talking to somebody on the phone and I say, "Okay, I I need you to tell me your your uh, your your race and or ethnicity," and they will ask why, and I say, "You don't have to answer. I'm just required by law to ask you." It doesn't have any effect on your qualifications on your application, but I do have to put in an answer. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a a fun part of the application process, but it is a it is an essential part for the reasons that I you know just described. That's interesting because to me it it seems um, uh, exactly opposite uh, as to why you would do that. Uh, my history a little bit is uh, market research, right? So. Um, in high school and, and, and even after, and I, I ended up owning the company, um, we, we got the, the demographics and completely did, you know, skin color, uh, as part of, uh, requirements. And, and, and there would be different, uh, quotas that we would have to make, you know, to, to get, uh, a client's, you know, preferred, uh, grouping of people. And so we had to have so many of, of each. And, uh, so it seems to me, um, you know, asking for someone's race, uh, I mean, I would be the same way. Like, how does this have any bearing on, on whether I can afford, uh, the home? And to me is, is, um, uh, if we did that as, as brokers, you know, like, I just don't, I don't know how that would work. Uh, you know, so for the lending, it just seems really, odd that they would that they would be requiring that as well yeah no it, it is interesting it's something that i i think about quite a lot actually um so like for instance I, I know that there are things as a realtor that you aren't allowed to discuss at all right with um with your clients right um and then because they're trying to avoid discriminatory practices right like you yeah. can't talk about necessarily like demographics of a neighborhood or like the school system in certain cases, right? Because we're trying to avoid this. And then on my side, they make me ask these questions in order to avoid the the discrimination. Um, So it it is kind of weird. Again, I will say there is a long and storied, unfortunately, history of discriminatory lending in this country. And it's not like stuff that happened only in the 60s and 70s. You know, you can look up housing discrimination online and you'll see that Bank of America and Wells Fargo, you know, two of the largest banks in our country, within the last decade have had to pay out huge sums of money because of housing discrimination in different in different parts of the country, right? So for us, what I try to explain is, look, this has absolutely no bearing on your application. 
this is what the government makes us do so that when they go back and look through all of our stuff, they can keep us accountable, right? Still, it's, 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 it's a weird question to have to ask. Okay, where do you work? How much money do you make? How much money do you have in the bank, bank account? And what's your race and gender? Like, <laughs> why does that matter? Well, it, it doesn't, but because banks have been so bad at this in the past, we have to do this to keep us accountable. Can you imagine? Um, well, so first off, is there a gender question on there yet? There is. And you can answer that you don't want to say. Okay. Be male or female or prefer not to answer. So there's only the three. So if you are, yeah. um, I don't know, they change their pronouns and stuff now. I'm not, honestly, I'm just not in into uh, the know of, of that. But uh, there's only the two. So um, if you prefer to be them or something like that, then you wouldn't be able to answer that question, I suppose. Well, that's, that's what you would put, uh, prefer not to answer. Yeah. So, um, I worked with a, a they, them a couple of weeks ago, actually. And that's what they answered on that question. Were they upset that they didn't have a, uh, you know, a blank for them for, for that exact, you know, wording? Um, I, they didn't communicate that upset to me. Okay. Um, so if, if, if they were, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't tell me about it. So the other thing is, uh, you know, I'm just trying to picture in my head, even like, like you said, like 10 years ago, cause that would have been when, when I was in the business and certainly before that, uh, those, those policies were before my time, but, uh, I just, I just can't fathom the, the person at bank of America or Wells Fargo or wherever it was sitting across from somebody and talking with them or even just on the phone and literally because of the way that they looked, everything else matched up okay. And they were just like, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to give you a loan to me that that just seems crazy and, and like not even possible, you know? Yeah, no, it's, um, I would say, uh, unfortunately it's something that happens. And I think a lot of times, a lot of times in these instances, um, it's, it's more of a subliminal thing. So I would say it like this, like, um, you know, sometimes, uh, it, just, just like keep this, anything in, in sales, right. Um, mm-hmm. for anyone in sales, whether you're a, a lender, you're a, a realtor or you're, you know, you're, you're selling cars or you're selling, you know, you can sell a bunch of different things. Right. Sometimes you sit across the table from somebody that you're trying to sell to and you think, oh man, this person is quite savvy. I'm going to have to start out with my very best deal, right? You know, if you're a car salesman and a guy walks in and he's like, hey, I've been looking for a Tahoe for two years. I know how much Tahoes are worth. I see that this one just came in on your lot. It's got this many miles. It's got these options. I'm prepared to pay X amount, right? Right. Compared to somebody else that comes in the next day and says, hey, I kind of like the Tahoe. It looks pretty cool. What do you got? <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it, you're going to treat both of those people differently depending on, you know, you just kind of realize, okay, maybe I can actually get a little bit more off this second guy because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Compared to this first guy, I have to lead with my best offer. Right. Yeah. Maybe you're, you're a realtor. You're trying to get a listing and you might choose like on bigger listings to take slightly lower commission because it's, it's more money, you know, et cetera. Um, maybe you don't ever want to do this, but sometimes you say, Hey, I want to win the deal. 
I'm going to lead with this. Whereas other right. times you'll sit across the table and be like, eh. If I, if I can't get full commission on this, I don't even want this listing. Yeah, right? like, these absolutely. are natural things to, to, to sort of say and, yep. uh, and to sort of think. And, and you're not sitting there thinking like, you're not actively thinking, ha, huh, I, can, I can take advantage of this guy uh, more than somebody else. But, you know, these are like subliminal things that you just kind of, that this kind of happened. And, you know, I've read the Wells Fargo docs and I've read the Bank of America docs. And it really seems like this is, this is what is often happening in those instances. It's not necessarily that my, you know, in one instance, uh, it wasn't that Hispanics were turned down at a higher level. Mm -hmm. It was that Hispanics with the same credit scores as white people were getting higher interest rates on their loans. Oh, you know, that's something where if you're, you know, if you're a, a, a Hispanic, maybe you're a first generation America, you've never owned a home before and you come in and you're quite well qualified. You've got a 10% down payment. You've got a 740 credit score, but you've never bought a house before. You don't know really um, the, the whole process very well. Maybe you don't even speak great English. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's very, um, try to use my words carefully here. It's not a good thing, but um, I can definitely understand why a, why a lender would sit across from that person and think, you know what? I can give this guy a little bit higher interest rate and he'll never know. Compared to the guy that comes in next, same credit score, same down payment, has owned three or four houses because you know, he's, he's a white guy that's been in this country for a long time. And you know, his, his family had homes and their family had homes. And he kind of knows a little bit more what's going on. And the lender at Bank of America might think, hey, I got to give this guy the best deal or he's going to walk out the door and go to Wells Fargo and mm-hmm. get a loan, yep. right? And most of the, in most of the cases, this is what's going on. And this is bad, right? This is really bad. And this is one of the reasons why we ask these questions to yeah. keep us accountable. And it's, it's another reason why, you know, as, as lenders, we actually, you know, w- there are rules given to us about, you know, how we have to charge each and every customer the same, you know, depending on their qualifications, right? right? So, so there, there's all these rules that exist, and you know, I believe that, that man is fundamentally flawed in a lot of certain ways. And when we are fundamentally flawed, um, these are the types of things that will happen. It's very easy to wind up discriminating towards people that you don't believe um, you need to sell as hard. And unfortunately, in this country, in a lot of places that we work, those, you know, the people that we believe are less educated and maybe we can get a better, you know, we can get a higher commission on or something like that. They often are, they often are also people of certain ethnic groups, of certain demographic groups. This is why it's just so important that, you know, when we're, when we're filling out the application and when we're, you know, doing everything to try to, to write up the loan and, and you know, sell the loan and, and give them an interest rate. We, we just do it based solely off of their application, off of their qualifications. We don't, we don't allow any of the other things to filter into our thing. That is awesome. And actually, uh, you've totally opened the door in my mind as to how that could happen legitimately. And um, I guess my follow-up to that, to dig deeper, again, that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is because I, uh, I like to drill down things to the very nth degree. Um, so tell me... that. It's my understanding that lenders can choose the percentage that they want to quote, right? So um, 
you know, you could still do where you give somebody a, a better rate, or if you want to make more money, you can give somebody a different rate. Like it's my understanding that that's possible. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is this is where it gets really tricky. Um, so again, I, I would say that um, we are not supposed to give one person a better rate than another person just because, right? Um, you know, two people walk in with 740 credit scores with 10% down uh, trying to buy a $300,000 house. Um, I'm supposed to give both of those people the exact same rate. Company however, rules or federal rules? These are federal rules. Okay. Um, however, there are, um, the, you know, the, the government understands that we can sometimes, we will get loans from different people and from different sources, right? right. So for instance, let's say I'm, I'm paying for marketing, right? I'm, right. I'm signed up for Zillow or Realtor.com or Google to try to get some marketing, right? And let's right. say I'm, I'm spending $10,000 a month to get to have, you know, 200 leads come in and I, I, I talk to these leads and I try to, you know, I, I try to, uh, you know, turn these and, and turn them into customers. Uh-huh. I am spending money to get those leads. So because I'm spending money to get those leads, um, it makes sense that I would need to make more money on those leads to recoup my losses. Right. So, right. Compared to so like I a may have or a, something. Correct. Yeah. So I may have a pocket for Zillow leads. Hey, I'm already spending this much on these leads. So I need to make this much as a branch, uh, you know, on these leads to recoup my losses. So that, you know, that, um, that, that lead will be in a different bucket that has a slightly higher interest rate so that I can recoup my, you know, my investment on that compared to if my sister calls me up tomorrow and says, John, I want to buy a home. I didn't spend any money on that lead. I mean, I spent a lot, you know, 34 agonizing years of being her brother to get (laughs) this lead. Right. But I didn't, you know, I didn't spend any money on that lead specifically. So therefore I don't need to make as much on that because I don't have to recoup any losses. Right. So I might have a bucket for friends and family members that is, you know, that has lower interest rates than my bucket has for Zillow leads or Google leads. Right. Right. And so, you know, we as lenders are not supposed to just be like, Hey, this is really a Zillow lead, but I'm going to put it into the, um, the friends and family bucket just to win the deal. Right. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to do that. There are lenders that do do that. Right. Let's just be real. We're, we're yeah. living in the real world. That is what a lot of lenders will do. They might have three or four different buckets and they might place it in a different bucket. You're not supposed to do that. Right. <laughs> that is yeah. unethical. And that can lead to, you know, what we talked about before. Oh, this guy that came in, I can tell he's really savvy. I'm going to put it into this, friends and family lead, mm-hmm. right? Compared to this other guy, I'm going to put it into the, the Zillow lead jet. Um, okay. And that's, that's actually another thing that the, that the federal government will, will track for as they're, as they're looking at our applications, as they're looking at our numbers on the back end. Mm-hmm. They'll say, John, this is, this is really, really weird. Every single Italian that you spoke to, you put in your friends and family bucket, what is up <laughs> with that, right? I married an Italian and, you know, maybe I've just like... I'm treating them, this, this is disparate impact, right? right? I'm treating them better than other customers who are not Italian. 
and now we have a disparate impact of other people. So they would tell mm-hmm. me, you know, John, you, you can't be doing this, right? So, th- so that is how sometimes lenders can can give different rates to you know to, to different people. This is why, like, if if you're a realtor and you have a relationship with a lender, um, that lender might actually be able to give your customers slightly better um, rates than he would give other people because he already has a referral relationship with you and it's not costing him as much, right, as it would cost, you know, for him to get that lead from somewhere else, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. Thanks for breaking that down. That's uh, that's good. I, uh, I'm i interested too, like, have you seen delays, you know, since COVID? Um, personally, I haven't. You know, it's it's been a... Um, we still put 30 to 45 days, uh, on, on loan apps, uh, you know, or, or on the, the closing time. Uh, I actually was talking to a realtor yesterday. He said that he got a USDA loan done, uh, really quickly because, um, historically USDA is not being accepted, um, when, when people are offering because they know it normally takes longer. So he said that a, a lot of the USDA employees are kind of sitting on their hands and, and they've got a lot more time to, to burn through the, the deals. But what are you seeing, uh, time wise, uh, with the, the COVID in the, in the mortgage industry? Yeah, great question. So, um, from like March to August of last year, Everything was terrible. Um, basically, yeah. what happened is COVID happened and interest rates plummeted. So not only were a lot of people trying to buy houses and take advantage of the low interest rates, mm-hmm. but everyone and their mother was also trying to refinance their current home and to, to take advantage of the low interest rates. Mm-hmm. And so we actually saw, you know, mortgage applications just spike through the roof, and everyone was backed up. Everyone, you know. I was working with a with a company at the time that it, it was taking ten days just to just to have the loan looked at by the underwriter for the first time. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it was terrible. Um, since like last August or September, things have slowly come back to normal. Mm-hmm. And actually, right now, you know, the company that I'm working for, we're, we're doing quite well. You know, we're getting uh, conditional approvals in like twelve to twenty four hours most of the time. Wow, um, and that's mostly because things have slowed down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we kind of had that initial rush of COVID, and now we're kind of back to normal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right now we're not seeing. And most lenders that I that I know and talk to, most lenders are not seeing any delays on the lending side. We talked about last week about some of the issues that we're seeing with appraisal. We're seeing right. appraisals delay delay processes right now. But as far as the actual lending goes. We're in a pretty good spot in this market. Okay. Well, I was reading an article in Forbes, and it said that there was an interesting phenomenon uh, that that they're seeing uh, where lenders are tightening up their um, standards, and it's basically where there's low interest rates, um, really low interest rates, but it's actually uh, a little bit more difficult to get approved for the loan. Have you seen that? Yeah, so... This kind of goes hand in hand with what, with what we talked about again last week. Yeah, I, I mentioned that there are some like some crazy products that are opening up with less standards than ever. Mm-hmm. Well, this is partly because a lot of lenders on their regular conventional and government loans um, have tightened up. So it's it's almost like you know because conventional and FHA loans are a little bit harder to get, you're seeing these other lenders come in with loans that are easier to get. 
try to you know meet meet that market need. Uh, specifically, the the biggest change we've seen in the last year. So, um, all conventional lenders we, we use um, an automated underwriting system. If, okay. If if we're doing a Fannie Mae loan, we use something called Desktop Underwriter, mm-hmm. and if we're writing a Freddie Mac loan, we use something called Loan Prospector, right? So we usually call these uh, LU or DU and LP. Um, so if, if you're familiar with DU findings, that's what this is. The okay. findings that the automated underwriting system called Desktop Underwriter will will give. And what we do is we, we get the information from the borrower, and then we put all this information into the application, and then we submit the application to the software, either DU or LP. And DU will read it, and they will give us They'll typically give us one of one of three grades, um, and basically these grades mean A, A plus. Yeah, you can do this loan. Everything looks great. You have an F minus. No, can't do this loan. No matter what, this is a this is we don't like this loan. Mm-hmm. And then there will be like a, a C grade that's like, yeah, you can do this, but only if you meet some extra qualifications. Right, we call these compensating factors. Okay. So the underwriting system might say, "No, you you, you can only do this if you have six months of reserves, and you know uh, there's no payment shock on your you know on your um, going from renting to owning. There's not too much payment shock there. Mm-hmm. And let's say uh, you you have to keep your DTI lower than what you would normally need to keep it." Okay. What we've seen in the last year is that both DU and LP have gotten much more strict for loans with credit scores below a 700. You know, in the past, if you had a 650, 660 credit score, but you had good income, you're making a decent down payment, and um, your, your debt to income ratio was low, I would always try you on. I would always try to get you a conventional loan because there was a good chance that we could do it. Mm-hmm. In the last year or so, if you have a credit score below seven hundred, I might try, but it's very unlikely that we're going to be able to get you an approval for a conventional loan. We almost always have to flip that to FHA now. And that's wow. just something that's happened. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of different tricks we can try. You know, sometimes making it a twenty-five year term instead of a thirty-year term will help sometimes, you know, giving you six months of reserves will help sometimes keeping the DTI below like 40% or 35% will help. But still, you know, I've, I've, I've had loans, you know, 680 credit score, 10% down, six months of reserves, and the DTI is below 35%. And I can't get an A-plus grade in, in DU or LP. In the wow. And that's something where... I promise you a year ago, we would have been able to do that. And right now we can't. And that's just because Fannie and Freddie both have decided to um, increase their restrictions, right? In, it, uh, restrict, uh, make it more difficult to qualify for a conventional loan with them. So I'm doing a lot more FHA loans, you know, in these similar instances than I was doing before. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's really rough. I would definitely have thought someone like that would have been able to, to get conventional, no problem. No, it it is kind of crazy. It, it, I remember that this this sort of happened overnight, right? You know, all of a sudden, on all my fa- all of my uh, loan officer Facebook groups, I'm getting all these posts. Hey guys, can anyone look at this file for me? Mm-hmm. You know, thirty one percent DTI, six ninety four credit score, ten percent down, can't get an approval. 
Wow. And it was just like, yeah, nope. Fanny updated and they don't like that loan anymore. If you, if you get them up to, and it's, it's, it's annoying, right? If you're at a 698, it'll be a, it'll be a refer eligible, right? It'll say we can't do it. If you get them to a 701, it'll almost always flip it. Like, yeah, we can do this loan now because those three points, those, those three points on the credit score were that important. <laughs> but you know, so it just kind of is what it is. Well, and uh, that was part of the other uh, section of that article that that I was reading is um, some of these lenders are offering the five to seven year adjustable rates again uh, with everything that happened before. Um, you would think that people would would kind of avoid those unless you know the the requirement was uh, or the the situation would would require that you know if you weren't going to stay in the home that long. But still, I think people uh, should be very cautious of taking a shorter mortgage like that because five years goes by so quickly. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. Um, you know, in my entire career, I think I've only given like three or four arms out. Yeah. Um, there, there are instances, right? There are instances in which it might be, when, in which it might be okay. Right. Uh, excuse me. Just like, I think I'm about to sneeze. Oh, it went away. No worries. Um, so for instance, I, I helped a friend, his wife got into grad school. And so they were moving. I may have even shared this in the past. Uh-huh. They were moving, um, you know, they were moving to a college town for three years while she got her degree. And then the mm-hmm. plan was, well, she's going to finish with her, with her master's degree mm-hmm. and they're going to get a job somewhere else. So, you know, we're not going to be here for very long. Right. And in that instance, I actually did a couple things. I, 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 number one, I actually gave them a higher interest rate than normal mm-hmm. and paid for all of their closing costs because we did the math yeah. and it's like, Hey, if you're not going to be in this home for, for more than five years, then it makes actually more sense to take a higher interest rate. Let me pay for all your closing costs. Right. Um, the second thing we did was we, we did an adjustable rate mortgage because we did a five-year arm because, again, they're not planning on being there longer than three. Um, so there are instances in which I think it does make sense. Sure. But, yeah, and, and you know, we know all of the... You and I know all the things that we can use to, you know, to sell to people, right? We know how long the average American stays in his home, right? right? So we know it's, it's very possible, slash maybe even likely, that they'll be moving five to seven years from now. Right. But we don't want to be making short-sighted decisions based off of, like, you know, possibilities or even necessarily probabilities, right? Especially when, you know, over the last year, you know, I, I've... I've tried to keep a, you know, I've tried to keep an eye on this. And, you know, several years ago, an adjustable rate mortgage was maybe a whole point lower than a, um, you know, than the, than the fixed rate mortgage. But it hasn't been that way recently. Um, You know, it, 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 over like the last six months or so, arms and and, and fixed rate mortgages are are pretty close to the same. And so why would you ever take an arm? If it's the same interest rate as a fixed, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So yeah, you know, there's there's certain markets that you'll you'll come into and like, okay, I can actually save a lot of money on the arm, and I'm not going to plan on being here for that long. Um, and you know, specifically last year when COVID hit, um, one thing that happened is like right when COVID hits, right when COVID hit, rates went up like considerably, mm-hmm. and then like two weeks later, they all plummeted. Yeah. Um, but what had happened was there were a lot of people, you know, specifically a lot of people that were like in the middle of a refinance or in the middle of a purchase uh-huh. that like they were getting, they were pre, let's say you're pre-approved for $300,000 because uh-huh. the interest rate was 3%. And overnight, 
I, I, I could you not. I'll, I'll never forget it. I think the rates got higher by 140 basis points in one day. Overnight, all of a sudden, you were planning on having a 3%, and now all of a sudden, you're at a 3.875. Wow. Well, that makes your payment a lot different. That could actually, in certain cases, mess up a pre-approval, right? Because you're yeah. pre-approved at 3%, and now if the rate's 4%, I actually can't even afford this home anymore. And so there was like this two-week period of time. I remember one of my mentors in the industry, he actually called me up. He said, hey, John, I know you're doing a lot of purchases. I know rates just freaked out. We noticed that the 10-year arm right now is really well-priced. He's like, so if you have anyone that you're in danger of losing a deal because the rates just freaked out, try to put them in a 10-year arm. It'll be about the same as what you were quoting them you know, last week. Mm-hmm. Might be able to save the deal. And he's like, and you, and I, you and I both know um, a lot of these people won't even be in the loan for 10 years. So right. like, that was another specific instance that like, there was a specific point in time where for a couple of weeks, the arm made a lot of sense because the interest rates had jumped up so abruptly on the fixed rates. Um, but yeah, again, in general, I think you're, I think your instincts are right. You know, um, it can be very short sighted. There, there are specific instances where I think that it's a, it's, it's a solid idea. But yeah, generally, the 30 year fix or the 15 year fix, that's the safer route. That's really the route you're going to want to go. Yeah, just as a lot of life experiences, every time that I seem to, uh, think that I'm going to know what's going to happen. It always is like, yeah, that's not what happened. You know, just like, uh, sir, right. would you like the 30,000 mile tires, the 50,000 miles, the 60,000 miles or the hundred thousand miles? And there's only a $400 difference between them. And it's like, well, I'm getting ready to sell the car. So we'll just stick with the, and then you end up, you know, buying four sets of those lower end tires. Cause you, <laughs> oh, and you know, there's multiple instances where, you know, that, that could happen. Right. So, um, but hey, uh, talking about the under uh, the automated underwriting, what about uh, the automated appraisals? Have you seen that where it's basically like a where the uh, underwriter doesn't even need to have an appraisal done because it's just done via the uh, computer? And sometimes it's a, it's a lot less. I've I've spoke to different lenders, and, and the, I mean it could save as much as a hundred dollars, and it's done instantly. Where the valuation just comes in at uh, what they need it, and they don't even need to send an actual appraiser out there. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah. So uh, what we're about to talk about is the great unknown in lending, um, because here, here's here's what happens. Um, you get all the information for the application. You you send files. And you run the loan through underwriting. And you can't do this until you have an actual address for the house. Because mm-hmm. um, EU and LP, they, they both have somewhere in their their large, sprawling mines, they have an estimated value for every single property in America. I don't know how they, they value this. Maybe they're using the Zillow's estimate. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, but they, they have... They have some sort of uh, they have some sort of algorithm that tells them this is how much this house is worth. So you put all this information in, and then you run the findings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll run these findings, and um, it'll come back with what's called an appraisal waiver, where it'll say like, "Hey, you valued this house at three hundred thousand dollars in the system. We think it's worth more than that. So if you only if it's only if the purchase price is only three hundred thousand. We don't even need to get an appraisal on this property. Right. And when that happens, everyone rejoices because right. now the buyer doesn't have to spend five, six hundred bucks on an appraisal. Um, there's no possibility that an appraisal will, will come back and, 
um, you know, come back short and kill a deal or threaten a deal or cause a, a buyer to have to spend more money in pocket. Everyone rejoices. Right. The reason it's the great unknown is that I have never spoken to a, lo- a loan officer that understands how and when we get appraisal waivers, and it's really just the roll of the dice, right? Interesting. I never tell somebody, hey, we can get an appraisal waiver. I, I say, hey, count on an appraisal. And then sometimes, randomly, we get an appraisal waiver, and now I can call them and celebrate. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Don't even need an appraisal on this. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, my, all my loan officer friends and I have, have, have uh, experimented with this to great length. You know, one, I remember one time a buddy of mine was like, hey, try this. You might be able to get an appraisal waiver. And I was all excited mm-hmm. and I tried it and it didn't do anything. And she had done it on one loan and it worked. And then all of us did not our loans and we're like, Nick, no, that's totally false. You're making stuff up. <laughs> right? Nobody really knows. So, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I was doing a loan for a relative of mine recently mm-hmm. and I valued the home at a certain amount and they had 85% LTV mm-hmm. and we got, an, we got an appraisal waiver. And then nice. I tried to push it higher so that we could get uh, 80% LTV and avoid mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get the appraisal waiver at that higher, at that higher level. Wow. So, you know, we had the conversation, hey, we have two options. We can get an appraisal done. Hopefully, you'll have more equity and you can get rid of mortgage insurance. Or you can just not get the appraisal waiver done. We'll stick it at 85%, which has low mortgage insurance. And, you know, just move from there. Mm-hmm. And my relatives are like, yeah, let's just skip the appraisal. We're, we're good with 15% equity. That's a lot more than what we thought we had anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but, but yeah, like I said, nobody knows why or how we can get these. It's just every time you roll the dice, you push that button on DU, it starts calculating. And you're just like, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe I'll get an appraisal waiver. Maybe I won't. We don't really have any idea. When we do, everyone's happy. When we don't. It's, it's expected. Let's just get the appraisal. On that note, um, are you able to, at uh, Cross Country, to use a comp that is pending? Are you allowed to do that? So, um, we are fine with that, I believe. Okay. Um, but uh, it's that's really up to the appraiser. Okay. Um, some appraisers will use it. And some appraisers will not. And so we're really just going to go off of the comps that the appraiser puts on on his appraisal. I believe I have seen um, pendings listed in comps. And I, I don't think that we rejected those out of hand. I think we accepted them if, if we thought that they, you know, that the appraisal just that the appraiser justified his reasoning for including it. I think we included that. But that's really up to the appraiser. Okay. I have some more questions on that, but that would probably require more time than what we have today. So we'll save those for another time. Um, one question though, back to the, the docs, um, that you would sign, you know, through, uh, your closing. Um, are there any instances where you've had maybe like an attorney or something, um, look through all of the docs that you get at closing or maybe before and say, you know what? I don't agree with this line and they're just going to mark it out or I don't agree with this page and just completely mark it out. Do you ever have any time where that's happened? Huh. And one, would that even work? Um, <laughs> I can't recall that ever happening on a loan that I've done. I do. I do have, um, I do remember one time we sent all the docs out and the customer's name was spelled wrong and mm-hmm. the attorney's like, well, we can either 
across the name and, and, and spell it correctly on every single page, or mm-hmm. we can just send this back and get the right documents. And they chose to send it back and get the right documents, which I think was smart too, because yeah. you know how many times you'd have to cross and, <laughs> and put things out. Exactly. Um, I don't think I've ever had a, 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 a lawyer or a title company rep sit down and say, no, this isn't good. <laughs> We're just crossing this out. <laughs> that would be a wild That'd be a wild uh, uh, scenario for sure. Well, and you know, part of that question stems from there are instances where I've actually sat down and, and had a customer, and they they literally read every page. Um, mm-hmm. If I have a customer, and so knowing that, uh, if I have a customer that does that on on documents that I send, I ask that that particular lender overnights or you know sometime before the closing gets all of those documents to the person ahead of time so they can have the time to read it and we're not sitting in closing for four hours uh while they read each page but uh on that note the the one question i get asked at every every closing is um i wish there was a stamp that i could use to stamp my name like every single person wants just a stamp to and and um it would be an interesting um Closing, if they could maybe just do a thumbprint um, where it just signs all of the documents uh, or or if you just e-signed, you know, everything. And um, I don't know that we'll ever get there because we have all the technology to do it now and we're still not doing it. Even the companies that say that they do it, there's still 40 pages that they have to sign. So um, I don't know. I don't know really what uh, what it would take to get everyone to be able to sign at closing just via DocuSign, so to speak. Yeah, so, you know, I can say this, um, and I don't typically, we don't use this time necessarily to brag on ourselves uh, <laughs> very, okay. very much, but, you know, I would say Cross Country just implemented about a month ago, mm-hmm. we have a, it's called, our, we have an easy sign process for, for loan closings, Okay, and that first thing that you said about sending docs out the day before so they can read that, uh-huh. we actually do that now. Nice. Um, and so we actually send uh, a large majority of the docs the day before, uh-huh. and they can e-sign them. Um, really? Now, the, the problem is that every state in the country has different rules for which documents are allowed to be e-signed uh-huh. and which documents are have to be wet-signed. Okay. Um, so, you know, in some states, when we send out the e-sign package, you know, there's some states in the South when I'll send out the e-sign package. Mm-hmm. They'll sign almost everything, and when they get to closing, they only have to sign like 10 or 12 pages in, in, in person, in hand, and it is awesome. That is great. And, and in other states, yeah, in other states, we'll do the same thing. We'll send out the e-sign package, and if there's 150 total pack- pages and uh-huh. final disclosures, maybe I'll only send like 50 in the e-sign, and they still get to closing. And like, oh, I, gotta, I still have to sign 100 pages. That's just, this wasn't that much easy of a sign. Right. And it's, 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 it's state to state. Uh, different states required that different things have to be signed by hand or not. Off the top um, of your head. I how- do think... I, I do think that... I don't know. I don't think is the right word. I hope that as our, as our culture gets more and more, um, you know, comfortable with technology, mm-hmm. I am hopeful that more states will open this up and say, hey, you know what? Most of this stuff can be e-signed, right? You know, when I send out a loan estimate to somebody, that can be e-signed. And when I send mm-hmm. out a closing disclosure, it can be e-signed. Why does it have to be signed in person by hand three days after I send it out to be e-signed on my closing? This doesn't really make much sense. Let's just, you know, convert that. So 
Um, it, that's, it's just kind of like a state to state thing. Everyone handles it a little bit differently. Off the top of your head, what is Florida and Indiana, uh, as far as, you know, how much they allow to be signed? Yeah. So Florida allows a little bit more to be e-signed okay. than Indiana does. Okay. So yeah, most of my business is in, uh, South Carolina, Florida, Indiana, and Ohio. Right. And yeah, the, the Southern states typically require way less things to be signed by hand than um, our wonderful Midwest states. Yeah, some some of the stuff they do down there is just way better. Um, They've got a, uh, (laughs) you know, nicer weather. And (laughs) so, uh, okay, well, that's, uh, that's interesting. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit shorter today. But uh, what are your positive thoughts for this week, John? Positive thoughts for this week. Um, So I went out with, um, with my sons about two weeks weeks ago because mm-hmm. the weather is finally nice and yep. we played some golf nice. and um i was i was i was reflecting on both of my kids you know how it's, it's funny how you can have a, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old mm-hmm. and they can be so different right yeah. and i always say that you know every kid is either a protagonist or an antagonist okay. so i was standing on the uh i, I was standing on the 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 like the fifth of the sixth tee, getting ready to take a tee shot, and my oldest son Jack, he's a protagonist, and he, as I'm standing on the tee, he says, "You got this, Daddy." You know, it made me feel <laughs> made me yep. feel very good. And there was this little pause, and then my younger son Charlie, who is an antagonist, he just quietly says, "You don't got this, Daddy." <laughs> and, <laughs> I, awesome. and I looked up, I was like, "What?" What's going on here? Right. right. And Charlie's got this, uh, the younger one, the antagonist, he's got this smirk on his face and he's laughing at me and, you know, he's, he's just being funny. And so my, my positive thought for this week is um, I love both of my sons for, for, you know, equally and for, but they are very different. And so I'm trying to embrace my son. You know, I think it'd be easier to be like, oh, Jack's the protagonist. He's the encourager. He's, you know, he's going to like the Browns with me. Whereas Charlie mm-hmm. is the antagonist. He wants to go the other way. He's probably going to be a Steelers fan and this is going to be terrible. Right. <laughs> but they're both still awesome, awesome people. They are both still awesome little kids and they bring so much joy to my life in spite of their, their differences. And, you know, looking at Charlie with that little smirk on his face after he told me, you don't got this daddy. That brought me just as much joy as when Jack said, you got this daddy and gave me all that encouragement. So just kind of embrace, embrace um, the different qualities, the differences that we have in our personalities and in each other, and just just go out this weekend and you know think about your friends and your family members and how they're different and how those differences bring um, unique, awesome things into your life. Awesome, John. That was actually a very great story. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your time again today. I uh, look forward to the next time. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Later, man.